the guru of gore, the master of horror, the sultan of shock, and professor emeritus from Clarkson University. What? In this episode, we'll dive into the connection between horror film icon Wes Craven and the little college town of Potsdam, New York. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is the Your Town Podcast. <laughs> Hey everyone, if you grew up watching gory horror flicks like A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Hills Have Eyes, or Scream, then you are already well aware and familiar with one Wesley Earl Craven. Wes, as we, locals, as we locals like to call him, kicked off his directorial career with 1972's The Last House on the Left. Despite hoping to dodge the spotlight and keep his filmmaking a hobby, second to his career as a professor, the jarring film quickly became a hit amongst the country's edgier college crowd and grossed $3 million despite its modest $90,000 budget. Well, the film, now a venerated cult classic, was billed with the tagline, Can a movie go too far? And the, pro the posters gave content warnings and tips on how not to faint while viewing the scenes of intense gore, sexual violence, and morbid humiliation. Were you practicing that like deep voice, like the, the movie warnings? That was good. Yeah, you know, I try. I, I, you know, this is these are the movies I grew up on. So yeah, the coming to a theater near you was pretty good. The first one was better. That was yeah, right. the first one was better. Oh. Anyway, <clears throat> ah. gotcha. this film garnered additional criticism due to the intersecting scenes of janky comedy. This crossroads of graphic, in-your-face horror, social commentary, and slapstick comedy went on to be a trademark of the Craven style of filmmaking. Yeah, and like kind of you mentioned, the Craven style. He, I mean, he changed the way the horror movies were written. I mean. What he was able to do was absolutely brilliant. He had a brain like no others. He kind of went, you know, uh, helped evolve from those like what slasher cat and mouse kind of style yeah. 80s horror movies to just these well thought out, just a whole different genre. And, and because of a cult classic that was released in December of 1996, probably the best Christmas present for any horror movie fans. I mean, that really is what changed the horror game. Mm -hmm, for sure. Wild. But before he was Wes Craven, Wes Wes Craven. That was difficult to say for some reason. Dude, trust Wes me. Wait till Craven. anybody that listened to any episode where I have to talk a lot, it's okay. You can't say Craven. I can't say anything in French. Or German. Or English. But, but before he was Wes Craven, the Cleveland, Ohio lad earned his undergraduate degree in English and psychology from Wheaton College in Illinois and his master's in philosophy and writing from Johns Hopkins University. I love the lacrosse team. Hell yeah. Uh, from 1964 to 1965, he taught English at Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. You know, I did so English, even though it's in Pennsylvania. I would have butchered that going. one. Westminster College. Uh, that's a Pennsylvania town? That's a pencil Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania. Hmm. But eventually he made his way to St. Lawrence County where he taught at, believe it or not, Madrid Waddington High School. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that either until I just saw this. Wow. In Madrid, Washington High School, home of the Yellow Jackets, in Madrid, New York, and eventually landed a gig as a humanities professor at what is now known as Clarkson University in Potsdam, New York. Isn't that ironic? Yeah, yeah. Just under an hour away from where we're sitting right now. Right now. While in the North Country, he purchased a 16 millimeter film camera and began making some short films. So I did a little research, 16 millimeter film cameras. You know, being a guy that used to work in the photo department, I said, I got I to gotta educate the people. 
and this is we're not going to go deep into the education but the reason that a lot of these people like west got the 16 millimeter is much cheaper than 35 millimeter i don't know why they went with a 32 maybe you know what I mean? but they went 35 i guess it's more than twice better and typically you could get up to 45 seconds on most of the 16 millimeter ones and then you actually had to hand crank the film and be able to go so could you imagine having to shoot for 45 seconds at a time that's why a lot of these you know um you know film producers or amateur producers actually you know what i mean made short series because yeah. there was no way that they were going to do a 30 45 minute video hand cranking every 45 yeah, seconds no. and um yeah just pretty wild but today for whatever reason these cameras are making a comeback everything makes a comeback people are actually seeking out and buying these vintage 60 millimeter cameras and if you were to buy one today that is that wasn't you still working you're spending between five and ten thousand dollars for a whole kit not what it was back then like comparing to buy the same cameras that west bought not not west's i'm sure that goes for a lot more but five to ten thousand dollars for a camera that you would have to crank every 45 seconds that's that's nuts too because i wonder like polaroid obviously made a comeback not too long ago not polaroids themselves I and mean, right. yeah, those are out there but that that style that click single exposure camera um, I remember there was a big deal about those coming out because the film actually wasn't the same anymore. Yep. Because I'm, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty positive it is super illegal to make the film that they used to make because it killed a lot of stuff because it's so just awful. The the product of the process of making it is absolutely toxic and awful. Yeah, I think the disposal. Yeah, I think the disposal is was the big issue. They didn't dispose of the chemicals gotcha. properly because okay. there was a ton of chemicals. Like I said, yeah. even when I worked photo develop the actual photo and this was late 90s, early 2000s, there was still so many chemicals mm -hmm. cleaning and yeah, I, I could see that. But yeah, and it's I mean just trying to you know buy this old film. You've actually had companies like um, you know that have had to come back and make vintage film for mm -hmm. people because they're eating it up and it's kind of a cool thing yeah yeah uh anyway back to wes uh he taught and wrote for a few years before getting a letter published in life magazine Ooh. the letter praised the magazine's coverage of alternative musicians and performers most notably frank zappa Hell yeah uh, yeah catholic guy Harold. uh the academic life obviously proved to not be enough for young wes with the 70s looming on the horizon he left the north country for new york city mm to direct porn what yep corn so much corn yep yeah rumors abound claim he had a role in the production of pornographic landmark deep throat Ooh. among other things <laughs> other things other things yep um eventually leading to above mentioned releases uh excuse me eventually leading to the above mentioned release of the last house on the left and the rest is bloody knee slapping stabby history Ooh, i'm just gonna skip all the jokes the comments mm -hmm. that uh you know I, I definitely haven't seen any of those works in that industry but he did allegedly put the whore in whore <laughs> if we had a producer we'd go Ta -da -cha. Ta -da we're gonna do that all right yep. let's I, reel this back in I, if that. i was if i really wanted to because he mentions in an interview that I pulled a lot of that stuff with him transitioning from academia to pornography, that uh, it was actually really hard for him to leave the, hmm. the smut business because he found it easy. Yeah. The hours were beneficial to his lifestyle. And it was the only film industry that he could find without like before his big break mm -hmm. where he could regularly get work, either in producing, directing, editing, shooting, sound editing, or publishing. Yeah, he I'm, could basically take his pick from the smut industry and create, uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s porno flicks 
Um, and that, and that's how he lived for a little while. That's how he got his feet wet. Could you imagine Gross. how boring probably horror movies would be if he didn't step in? But maybe how much better the industry would be in the other one that he was doing. I don't know. He definitely didn't put many ugly women, right? ugly people, period, in his in his films. Probably had to do with something. But, yeah, uh, probably. Anyway, uh, local lore digs deep into his Clarkson roots, though. Mm-hmm. When Wes Craven's largest commercial success, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and maybe you've heard of it. I think so, yeah. Uh, hashtag Johnny Depp. Hey, hit theaters, moviegoers at the Foxy Roxy probably dumped their popcorn when Nancy Thompson's house in the film looked remarkably similar to the old Epsilon Pie House on Elm Street in Potsdam. Mm-hmm. Although not identical, there are some similarities. Both are Grand Dutch colonial homes set back from the street with a walkway and a well-kept yard. They're both white with shingled roofs and both have large white panel windows facing the window as well as prominent front doors tucked back underneath the pillared front porch. Again, not identical, but for those looking to make a connection, it's easy enough. Yeah, I mean, they look way too much alike to call that a coincidence, I would have to say. And I I know that style was pretty popular, but you had to have some money to have that unique style. I mean, to this day, if there was that many Dutch colonial homes still around, there there wouldn't be one. It is a little bit ironic, though, that there was a fraternity house that had a very nice kept yard. Because anytime I've driven by, there's lots of solo cups and, um, you know, random things and these weird balloons all over the yards i don't know yeah yeah anyways yep anyways uh poop dala um unfortunately for us northerners however west denied the correlation in an interview with david summerstein for north country public radio in 2010 Hmm. i could see that i heard a rumor that the idea for nightmare on elm street might have come from a student movie involving elm street in my hometown potsdam new york is this true summerstein asked west craven in the 2010 interview no i'm afraid not craven replied and I, I saw the a little bit of the interview as well, and he did mention in there that he kind of messed around and started a film club, which kind of made a 45-minute little action picture that I believe you did reference in, in there a little bit uh, as we go called The Searches, which was actually filmed from students from the um theta chai how would you say that i theta? think it's theta chi is how you say that why did, anyway tough names let's go with that fraternity at 18 elm street the film about the strange occurrences at the frat house was very prevalent in this and it actually used to be a funeral parlor before that so deny all you want wes we're mm-hmm. on to you we really know yeah wes come on man and despite this denial those cheeky brothers of epsilon pi leaned into the similarities uh, towards the end of the home's life, uh, there's photos taken from inside the home uh, that show the door to the basement of the fraternity house was adorned with crude black spray paint, mm-hmm. reading, Epsilon Pi welcomes you to hell, in allusion to Freddy Krueger, the antagonist across the entirety of the of the Nightmare on Elm Street films and beyond. I would definitely, not right now when, this, when you're done listening to this, go and Google it, or even better. Check out our Instagram page because we are going to show some of these pictures from the article so you can kind of have a little bit of a visual to what we're doing. And that way, uh, two birds, one stone, you can follow our Instagram and like it and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like that creepy shot where you're, like you're looking down the stairs and like the like the walls are all like ratty and nasty, but then that plywood door is like kicked open with the welcome. Yeah, gross. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. Mm -mm. Um, Anyway, uh, furthermore, Clarkson University references the rumors on their creepy connections page on the university's website we air quoted that for the listeners just yep. in case we did the creepy connection we but if quoted. you want to see us air quote it you should follow us on youtube yeah check out our shorts yeah minor episode playbacks minor sweatpants shorts anyways <laughs> uh, for several years in the 1960s famed horror film director wes craven taught at clarkson the sites uh this post on the site's page reads 
Rumor has it that the Fright Film Auteur's 1984 masterpiece, A Nightmare on Elm Street, was inspired by a house in Potsdam, end quote. In fairness, they do go on to admit that Craven's denial, they do admit that, you know, Craven denied the claim. Yep. Just like his early days running for life and featuring Frank Zappa, rumor has it the song Dumb All Over from Zappa is actually about a nightmare on Elm Street not being inspired by the Potsdam house. See what I did there? A little callback? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little yeah. Throwback yeah. in the tiny little mustache. Zappa, the dumb, give that song a listen to sometimes. It'll make yep. your day better. For sure. Uh, shout out to the entire Joe's Garage album. Oh yeah, Volume Three is my favorite. Anyway, today the movie's home. Today the movie's home and the Potsdam home have very little in common, mm-hmm. as I alluded to earlier. Aside from the movie's home being in a luxurious LA suburb and the fraternity house being upstate New York, the movie house just sold on the open market for nearly three million dollars. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Potsdam home was deemed unfit for even the most desperate state school students to live in and was demolished in the tw- in the 2010s. I mean, right there, three million. You're not going to get there here. But even if the historians who fought so hard, there was so many local people that really wanted to preserve this house, deem it historical, get some grants, put some money in it. Maybe not even a sell, but could you just imagine kind of the tourist money and everything yeah. that could have been done right if they just would have kept the house? But no, we're just going to tear it down. And there's probably more to it. I don't know. It wasn't there. And I have to imagine going from a funeral home to a frat house for many, many years. That house is probably disgusting. Yeah. But nasty. just about anything's fixable, right? Lots of fluids in that. <sighs> yeah. Or even like imagine if Wes would have just suspended disbelief mm-hmm. and just told Summerstein, oh yeah, yep, that's the house. Like, yep. Yeah. It, it's based off that house. An innocent, an innocent lie that only Wes would have known was a lie. Or even just, you know what? It wasn't from that house, but I did. It's a very recognizable house. Like there was a little inspiration yeah, from it, but not like know, something. I mean, Give us a carrot, Wesley. Unreal. Unreal. Bummer. Anyway, Wes does give a big nod to Potsdam and North Country in the NCPR interview, however. Yeah. Quote, when I was teaching, I bought a camera and we shot a film up there called The Searchers. Call back to what my boy Matthew just said. Told you. Craven told Summerstein. And that was when I got the bug for making movies. At the end of that year, I quit my job and went down to New York and started trying to get into the film business. Which is a polite way to say I went to shoot porn, but hey, he was raised Christian, so. Yeah, and I mean, you said he was young, he was raised Christian, so that used to be his name, not Wes, right? And he changed it to Wes to be, you know, there's like, don't movie stars change their name? I know, he was Wesley, he was born Wesley. Mm. Okay, well, there goes that theory. Anyways, this is the sad part about Wes. Yeah, unfortunately, at the ripe old age of 76, Wesley Craven passed away in Los Angeles on August 30th, 2015, due to complications to a brain tumor. Isn't it crazy? Like, it's definitely crazy to me that someone with such an impressive, unique brain that had so many ideas changed the horror game and just so many amazing films, whether they were, you know, porn or whether they were horror movies. It was the brain of all things that actually failed him. That's wild. I, if this was a differently viewed, like tilted podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. I would 100% have really focused on the deep dive of trying to find out what pornographic films Wes created or helped create. Mm -hmm. Because he admits in one of the interviews that I looked at that he only created pornography under a pseudonym to protect his, his, well, his Christian name (laughs) Uh, for for a future career. I mean, he was there at the time that he was making porn. Mm -hmm. He was still very closely, you know, timeline wise, a professor. I mean, he was a college professor within yeah. a not so distant time away. So yeah, you probably, but I, I'd be curious to see if that's been compiled somewhere. 
It has to be. It, it, I mean, it's got to be. I mean, there's, there's unfortunately people like Wes Craven and people try to cash in on names, especially after the after people die. I, I'd have to imagine that somebody ha- somebody. has posed a list. Here's what we'll do: if yeah. we get seven people that email us or message us on Instagram or any of our social medias, we will do the research and we'll release it as a post, so yep. you can have these in, this information. Yep. So. Uh, why don't, uh, why don't you throw out some sources and then, uh, like we always do when we're prepared, and, and Zach did a lot of the research on this, and he was prepared to end us with a quote. So uh, you want you want to do the thing? So yeah, I mean, shout out for uh, for this uh, for this day for this episode. Sorry, this week's episode. Of course, I used Wikipedia yeah. uh, for a lot of the information I have in the last house on the left, and for a lot of the general information on Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Um, I also found a couple of really good articles on NPR about the uh, about the sale of the Nightmare on Elm Street house in LA. Um, and also, I took quite a bit from Wes Craven's obituary on NPR. Okay. Um, of course, the North Country Public Radio. Uh, article written by David Summerstein mm-hmm. and the Clarkson.edu's page, uh, Creepy Connections. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, in closing, we'll leave you with this. Quote, a lot of life is dealing with your curse, dealing with the cards you were given that aren't so nice. Does it make you into a monster or can you temper it in some way or accept it and go in some other direction? That was from Wes Craven. Nailed it. That's good a night, good everybody. one. That was a good one. See you next time. Okay, bye.